Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So a couple weeks back, we talked about the story of Moses and how uh, he and and God (laughs) used uh, the plagues to uh, convince (laughs) the Pharaoh uh, and the Egyptians to let the Israelites go to release them from slavery and I, you know, everything that happened, the 10 plagues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for today's episode, I wanted to jump into those plagues a little bit deeper. Uh, so this won't be a normal episode, as if anything I do is normal, but uh, it's, it's going to be a biblical theory episode because there is a lot here. There is a ton of stuff about the plagues and, and the Israelites leaving Egypt and everything. And I think it's just so fascinating. And, you know, it's one of the biggest stories of the Bible. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's relevant in Judaism, you know, with Passover and everything. But, you know, even in Christianity has talked about it. It's just it's just one of like the top five, probably like biggest stories in the Bible. And there's just a lot of content, a lot of layers and a lot of awesome stuff to go over. So uh, I just wanted to take a, this episode to kind of dig deeper into some of that, some of the more fun aspects of all that. So that's what we're going to do today. But before all that, as always, let's talk about what I am drinking. So for today's episode, because we're doing a little bit of a mix match, a hodgepodge of of different just theories and facts and stuff and and, and deeper information, I decided that uh, not to worry too much about trying to find a particular alcohol, (laughs) a particular brand or bottle or anything that magically lined up with today's episode. So and instead, I just decided to to use what I already had. And a few weeks ago, I do a lot of research online about you know the the, the world of alcohol, uh, you know whiskey in, in general, uh, and but other things, and always looking for you know new articles and new stories and new new interesting things, you know new releases that type of stuff. And uh, I'm a part of a few different like Facebook groups for <laughs> for alcohol enthusiasts, you know uh, whiskey tribes and stuff. I had caught wind of one that's kind of in in the vein that we've been doing with some of the budget <laughs> booze, the like the Aldi's wine, the Sam's Club, uh, Members Mark, Scotch, that type of thing. And so for today's episode, uh, I'm going to delve into uh, what I what I caught wind of was that Costco brand, uh, Costco warehouses or whatever stores. Their in-house brand is Kirkland Signature, and they have actually an amazing selection of value products, value alcohol. They've got they've got vodka, they've got rum, they've got uh, several different scotches, different uh, Irish whiskeys, Canadian whiskeys, like all kinds of stuff. So I've been I've been reading a lot of these reviews about the Kirkland Signature brands and uh, decided that I, I needed to try it for myself. <laughs> I got I got kind of all excited about it after reading some stuff and and you know I, I like I like finding the you know the value brands and everything. So I looked online and found a Costco about an hour away from my house or so. And uh, now I don't have a membership to Costco because of course I don't. They're an hour away from the house, right? Why would I? And, but I do have a membership to Sam's Club, and, and I've talked about that before. And so the way that my state works uh, is that is that Sam's can't sell uh, alcohol, hard liquor. In, they can do beer and wine, but hard liquor can't be sold in the regular store. It's a separate store, separate entrance, you know, at, in, on the premises there. And whenever I go and, and buy alcohol from Sam's Club, they don't require me to show my membership card. So I read online that, that in some states, 
these these warehouse you know membership warehouse stores aren't allowed to sell alcohol behind the membership so they can sell it but it has to be outside their store and it has to be available to the public basically anybody can come in and, and get it so I read that online, you know, some guy on like Yahoo Answers or whatever gave me the, uh, you know, reading his, his breakdown of it all. And I was like, okay, cool. So I can drive the hour to Costco and, and, and pick up a few bottles and everything will be fine. So I had a birthday coming up down there and I was like, oh, I'll leave early. I'll, I'll give myself an extra hour or whatever to, to, go, to go to Costco. So I go down there. And the first thing I grabbed was a, you know, these are all handles, right? These are all like the 1.75 liters, so the big bottle. Big bottle of just blended scotch whiskey, no age statement, so, right? So it's it's kind of minimum. It's uh, It was about, but it was like 20 bucks so for, for a handle of it. So that was the first thing. And after that was also a big bottle of a 12-year-old scotch uh, for a little bit more money. I think it was about 30, uh, but but a, a big bottle of it or whatever for 12 years, you know, 12-year-old product was amazing. So grab that. Also, they had a, a big bottle of rum that was like for 13 bucks uh, that, that, in, that interested me. <laughs> so I grabbed that, take it all over to the counter and start talking to the cashier. And she's like, oh, like, have you ever had these before? And, and gave me a little anecdote about how she, the rum uh, she had had it at one of her parties and apparently it, it's very very comparable to like Sailor Jerry's and she had some people over who thought they were tough shit and kept drinking it and kept drinking it but didn't realize that the Costco brand one has a higher ABV than Sailor Jerry's so it will it'll fuck you up <laughs> quicker than than the regular stuff and she had a couple people that got laid out <laughs> because they didn't they didn't respect it enough so that right there sold me so I'm like okay great good decision on this I'm definitely buying that and then she, you know I told her about the show a little bit and she's like oh you gotta get our vodka so she walked me over to that part of the store we grabbed the vodka and pull it back she's like oh it's just like gray goose but it's like half the price and everything so so now I've got like about a hundred dollars worth of uh, booze here on the counter and you know getting ready to purchase it and I'm just I'm on cloud nine I'm excited and like can't wait to <laughs> to bring it all home and try it all and talk about it and everything so I you know I'm like this is going this is going great so the next thing she she says and, and she was super nice next thing she goes is like okay I just need your membership card so that I can I can ring you up and I'm like what <laughs> excuse me and she's like I can't I can't help you without unless you remember I'm like, oh, I read online that uh, here, here in our state, we, uh, it, you couldn't, you couldn't sell liquor behind a membership, and uh, I didn't need one. And she's like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, but I, but I have, I have a membership to Sam's, and they don't ever look at my card, and they don't care when I buy liquor from them. And she very politely said, I don't care what Sam's does. Um, that's not a thing. Uh, I can't help you. And nicely was like, you need to leave if you don't have a membership card. So apparently, while what I said originally was true, that some states have that, like, you can't sell liquor behind the membership or whatever. My state is not one of those. <laughs> so it just happens to be that Sam's does it that way. So so there I was, out of luck, uh, all these bottles on the counter, getting ready to purchase it, can't do it. And she says, listen, I could get fired. I'm not supposed to do this. But if you if you come back, I'm, I'm going to leave this on the counter for a minute. If you come back with <laughs> your long lost friend who who is just late on arrival, who will come in and scan their membership card, I will let you purchase it. Like wink, wink. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, my friend is in the parking lot right right now. 
And so I ran out in the parking lot and started talking to like, I, I think it was like five different people trying to like, like, hey, are you are you coming in to buy booze or whatever? Like trying to make a friend on the spot, trying to get someone to come in and help me. Pur- I felt like a 17 year old again who wasn't allowed to purchase alcohol and was trying to get someone older than me to go in and buy a case of shit beer. But <laughs> so eventually, like the fifth person I talked to was coming into the store. He was a little bit bewildered about what I was doing. He was a but he ended up being a nice guy. Um I would, luckily I was dressed nice, like I was going to the birthday party, so I didn't look like just some like like bum or whatever. So you know, some some mooch or whatever. Like you know, I was like like here's the situation. I just need to to borrow your membership real quick. It won't cost you a penny. And anyway, he was a nice guy. We went back in. I go, like, hey, here's my long lost friend. I found him in the parking lot. And <laughs> so we we purchased you know in the store. We purchased we purchased the booze. And so that's what I'm drinking today. That's what I have today. I've got the two different uh, scotches that I bought uh, that day at Costco. And uh, this might be it for me. I don't know if I'll be able to pull off that feat <laughs> again uh, with, with making a friend on the spot in the parking lot unless I want to commit to an actual membership for a store that's an hour away from my house. But so this we might get a, a one-time-only deal of having these in my in my home bar. But So I have, again, the, the no-age statement scotch and then the 12-year-old scotch. The no-age statement, uh, it's, it's pretty great. I mean, it's $20 for a handle. It's very it's comparable to the members mark that we had earlier. I put it in line with the red label, Johnny Walker red label, right? It's just you can tell it's a blended. You can tell it's young. You know, it's not not really rounded out. There's not a whole lot of like deep flavors there or anything, but it's it's solid. It's good. There's no reason for me to drive an hour to buy the Costco one when I can buy other stuff here locally. If you you know get what I'm saying, but um, definitely definitely very cool. The 12-year-old one, though, for just a little bit more than the other one, is absolutely where to go. It's worth the extra money to get the 12-year one. Um, I think it's it's great. I think it's fine. It's up there. Maybe not quite as great as as Johnny Walker Black, right? But it's still, it's it's. I don't know. I was very happy with the bottle. 10 out of 10 would definitely buy this again because it is cheaper, right? It is, you know, it's that same type of quality, you know, that you would expect. You know, it's it's you know, it's not gonna blow you away. It's not a Lagavulin. It's not you know any of those like you know the you know. Lafroy or whatever you know it's not like super peaty or anything like that but it's it's you know for the price it's quality so those are what i'm drinking today just kind of you know mixing and matching you know a little bit of this a little bit of that these two things that uh, i had to embarrass myself in order to be able to purchase so but highly recommend it if you're ever around or if you if you're ever in there don't ever be afraid of the costco home brand kirkland signatures great stuff great value great price so well all that being said let's go ahead and get to the drinking Ah, that's great. It's really it's it's so like it's, it's mild and easy to drink, and that's what I am drinking today. <laughs> so let's get back to Bible stuff. So the first thing before we even get into the plagues, I want to talk about the whole walking stick turning into a snake bit. So here's what's neat. If you'll remember, it happened once in front of the burning bush with God and Moses and everything, and then again it happened when you know that was the like the sample run, right, the test run. And then again, Moses and Aaron did it in front of Pharaoh while talking to Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh's wizards came out, and they all did the same. Like, oh, like, you didn't. That's not very impressive. We can also turn sticks into snakes or whatever. And then they, they had that whole thing, right? So, But here's what's cool. If you look at the Hebrew word, the original text for it, the original word uh, in the part with the burning bush, the sentence is like, 
And Moses threw down his staff, and it became a... And then the word there in that, in that blank is the Hebrew word for basically a snake. It's, it's what, you know, it, it, it appears multiple times in the Bible, all referencing an obvious snake. No big deal, right? That's very clear. However, when, the, when they see Pharaoh and they do at that time, and the passage is like, and Aaron threw down his staff and it became a blank, right? What, what word would go in there? You would think it would be the same word that was in the previous you know, verse, right? The same setup. You think it would just say snake again, but it doesn't. And this time, the second time, it, it doesn't use that same word. It doesn't use the regular word for snake. It uses a different word. The word it uses is tannin, which, and don't take this for gospel, but in my research, most of the time that this Hebrew word, tannin, is used in the Bible, it is in reference to either some sort of sea creature or even sometimes a dragon of some sort. Uh, at, at the very least, uh, like a crocodile. So, uh, but there's more references uh, to, that I think to, to actual dragons, right? That's like the, that's like the most popular you know, times that it uses this, this very specific you know, Hebrew word. And so I, it's just, it, it makes this whole, this whole story, this whole, this whole part have a whole different uh, imagination to it, uh, you know, a, whole, a whole different representation. So like, just imagine the scenario, right? Uh, Moses and Aaron, and they're there, and they're with Pharaoh and his magicians and all that, and the wizards. And, and Moses is like, you know, hey, you're being a real dick and owning slaves. That's not cool, bro. And, and we don't like it at all. <laughs> Damn it. And, and Pharaoh's like, you know, what are you going to do about it, nerd? Like, you can't, like, I'm not giving up my slaves. And then Aaron would be like, this is what we're going to do about it. And he throws down his staff and it shapeshifts into a freaking dragon, right? Right there in the meeting room <laughs> with the Pharaoh. Uh, like, uh, like how, how amazing would that be? That would be so cool. And then the Pharaoh's wizards, you know, th they throw theirs down also. And it also become they also become dragons or whatever. And it's just like one big, like one versus 10 dragon fight right there in the chambers. <laughs> like, like, like that would be amazing. And then, and then Aaron's dragon wins the fight, like kills all the other dragons and eats them. Uh, which is, you know, that's what it says. His, his staff or whatever swallows up the other ones. Like, like, like how that would like, like the old Testament, like Pokemon battle. Like that would be amazing. So I don't know. I, I wish, <laughs> I wish we knew for a fact. And even if it wasn't, even if it was the, just crocodiles or something, like it's still cooler than snakes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to like, I, I can't even turn a stick into a snake. Right. So I don't like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I'm. I'm being judgmental. Like that's pretty badass by itself. But it's just more badass if you think of it like dragons and or at least crocodiles or whatever. So anyway, also while we're talking about semantics, uh, and this is just kind of curious. Uh, I think it's just poetic, really. But uh, in the verse where it talks about you know the the tannin or you know, the the dragon as it were, it says Aaron's rod swallowed up the other magician's rods. And it doesn't say the word tannin or dragon or snake or whatever. It says rod. And there's some people out there, a slight few, that think that, like, they threw down the sticks. It became a dragon or an alligator or whatever, crocodile or whatever, or, or snake or whatever. Like, it did its thing. But then the, they reverted back to being a, a stick. And then in stick form, ends up eating the other sticks and while that's not as cool as a Pokemon dragon fight or whatever, 
it's also even more weird. Like I've never seen a tree eat another tree or, or, or a piece of wood eat another piece of wood. So maybe that would be uh, like more impressive. I don't know. I, I I much more believe the you know that it's more it's poetic when it says his rod swallowed up the other rods. Like that it just that's just I don't know. That's that's how I see it. You you choose you can choose to believe it whatever you want. You know whatever you want to do. But I, I think it's very cool and neat. Going back to the word tannin. Uh, that that it chose to use a different story there, so that's the one thing, right? Well, first theory. Okay, so moving on, let's have let's have some fun with plagues. Why the plagues? Why these plagues? Like, yeah, it's pretty friggin' metal to turn water into blood and smite people with boils and all that, but is there more to it? Are these were these just random like happenstance, whatever like things, or or was there a rhyme and reason? And in a word. Yes, there there was a, a a specific reason. At least I believe so. At the end of Exodus twelve twelve, uh, God says uh, He's going to come down and and against all the gods of Egypt, lowercase g, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. You know, I I am God, and I think that like there's there's an idea that a theory that each one of the plagues was specifically uh, pointed towards one of the Egyptian gods or their beliefs, right? Something in, in their religion and their culture that, that God wanted to attack or, and show that he was more powerful than they were or, you know, what their beliefs were or the gods that they, that they believed in or whatever. You know, God was laying a beat down specific, like, like, like systematically going through, you know, from, from one to ten, going through all of their, their gods and their beliefs. So let's talk about ancient Egyptian religion for a second to set the foundation. So it's a little bit difficult to get a full, clear picture of what ancient Egyptian gods and religion and whatever, what, like what the whole picture was 100%, because back then there were these little pockets of Egyptian cities, and some of them had slightly different views that over time, when they came together, would merge and kind of muddle the waters of exactly what they believed, right? So, like, you know, we didn't have the internet back then or whatever like so it was kind of like oh like you guys over here switched it up and believed in this one god in particular and you know like like that was a god of fertility or god of this or whatever and then over here this one would believe in someone else very similar and then later over time those you know like just cultures and then through history whatever like these groups would come together and like kind of like oh like our god does this and your god does that let's merge them like it'd be imagine if it was like that was like imagine you lived in a city that believed in the legend of the batman right Uh, a genius billionaire who through a traumatic event committed his life to justice and protecting people while building gadgets to help him in his crusade of justice right but then you know over here was another city who they had a legend of the Iron Man, who was a genius billionaire who, through a traumatic event, committed his life to justice and protecting people while building gadgets to help him in his crusade, right? <laughs> um, and then over centuries, the cities would talk to each other and they'd like, you know, intermarry or this or that or whatever and realize that they had very similar beliefs. Like, oh, like, like wow, we have a lot of common, there's a lot of commonality here. Very interesting. And these people would would group up over t- over years or whatever, and then like three thousand years in the future, we find an old like Reddit thread on a stone tablet or something that says like, oh, like you know, we piece it all together. Like they worshipped a god named the Iron Bat, who was a genius billionaire who 
you know, had a tra- tragic event, traumatic event, and whatever, and then invented a super advanced suit that let him fly and shoot laser beams, but also dressed up like a bat. Like that, you know, like like very similar stories, and let's let's just merge them together. So kind of like a silly analogy, but it's actually like literally what happened. <laughs> For instance, like the biggest, like the the number one god in ancient Egyptian religion was the god Ra. He was the sun god, right? He literally wears the sun on his head like a hat and every day rides around in his horse and chariot around the earth and and as they pull him in this huge circle around the earth that's how we get the sunrise and sunset every day because it's on his head who's being like carried around around the the globe right that's the belief (laughs) but then there was this other god amon who was originally you know one of the patron deities he was the god of the wind and along with his wife was like the god of creation they're the ones that put everything together that created everything and then later over time we see evidence of ancient egyptians worshiping amon ra who was the god of sun and creation right so they merged the two together like in dragon ball where you do the fusion dance or whatever like amon and ra became amon ra and and that's 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 it that you can research that that's the thing that happened they they just merged the two and so because of all this it's really hard to pinpoint a 100% one to one ratio of which plague was attacking which god at this time but i've done a lot of research on it and i'm not you know a super expert historian but putting putting things together and doing my own research i think i think i have a kind of a uh a, an idea of where to start or or at least a fun a fun theory on it so before we can get into that, I want to lay out a few key players. Uh, if you're not if you're not super familiar with ancient <laughs> Egyptian deities, so okay, so the first family of Egyptian gods consisted of Osiris, Isis, and Set, right? And the, the brother and sisters. And Osiris, like he was, he's a pretty cool dude. He's usually depicted as just like a regular guy, but he's got green skin, right? He's got a green skin tone. And we're going to get back to that in a second. But Osiris, he's he's okay. Like he's he's nice. And then Isis was Osiris's sister, but they also got married, right? It was like we're not we're not worrying about it, you know. Like it was slim pickings, I guess, as far as uh, marrying other gods back then at the, at this point of of civilization and whatever. So they get married or whatever. And Isis is like thought of as the goddess of healing and just a very maternal figure of the lord and everything and, and but she's always just depicted as just you know just a woman okay and then after that we have horus and horus is osiris's and isis's son but i'm going to get to that story in a minute but horus is one of those guys that has a falcon for a head if you've seen him uh, but not raw raw also has a falcon for a head but Ra is the falcon head with the sun on top, and Horus doesn't have the sun on top. So that's how you can tell them apart. If you're ever looking at ancient Egyptian, you know, <laughs> whatever, like 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 tablets or anything, that's how you can tell them apart. And then there's Anubis. Anubis was kind of like the gravekeeper god, and he helped people get embalmed and like carry on to the afterlife and all that. He's the guy with the dog for a head, right? Like the Doberman Pinscher. And Anubis is interesting because he actually kind of does the least of all the gods as far as wild stories go. But yet he's depicted on 
like a like so many uh you know like you see like him with the you know the dog head or whatever like on so much of their art and and whatever so he's super popular but he didn't do a whole lot like he just like 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 he's a good he's a good guy he puts his head down he just goes to work he works very hard helping people get to the afterlife but didn't do didn't do a lot of wild stories you know he's kind of cool then there's set now set is the bad guy he's a dick and i'm gonna get into a story about him in a second but um so he's osiris and isis's brother and uh, and he he's depicted uh it's weird his main look like when they carve pictures of him is a mystery because unlike the rest of the of everyone else who are just people or, or animal heads normal animal heads that we can figure out his animal head is not clear it's it's kind of looks like a dog but he's got like weird like bunny ears also and you know it's got so he's got like this like long nose and then weird bunny ears that stick straight up and we're not you know kind of looks a little bit like i don't even know like like maybe kind of like an anteater but also with big ears like like we don't know like there's not an animal that he's a one one mix so we think that maybe he's just like a weird looking deformed dog or a lot of people just think he's actually because he's kind of like the god of chaos and things so they think that his his depiction is actually a combination of several different animals and and that he's just wild like that so but that's what he looks like so anyway so that's kind of like the baseline of the different ones so okay so first story a little bit just to tell you what happened so osiris was the oldest and apparently was made king right just that's how it goes and he's married to his sister isis and everything and they're pretty new into the marriage i guess and they haven't even had kids yet or anything like that but set was super jealous of his brother and he wanted the throne for himself of course and uh so one day he murders his brother osiris and chops him up in a bunch of pieces so he can be king and then isis is like you dick <laughs> like how dare you cut up my husband we haven't even have kids yet so she goes and gets Anubis, the dog guy, and to help her wrap up Osiris's chopped up body parts, and they bandage him all together and everything, and they do some magic, and they bring him back to life. And then, right as soon as he comes back to life, she sleeps with him, has sex with him, and he gets her pregnant. And that apparently worked just swimmingly. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, like I don't know, like, like raise you back from the dead, and like, like text, like you awake, like what's what's going on, like immediate booty call as soon as he comes back from the dead. She gets pregnant, and that's how they get Horus. Okay, that we talked about. But uh, Osiris stays undead. That's why he's got the green skin color in all of his depictions. So he's the undead god, and. He actually kind of controls, like, is Lord of the Underworld a little bit and all that kind of stuff. So that's his now fate. And But there's this big, long rivalry between Horus. So now Horus is his son and the rightful heir to the throne or whatever to be the king. And so that bumps Set back down off the throne. And so Horus and Set are, like, at each other's throats all the fucking time. They, they, they don't like each other, right? Of course, I mean... Set killed his dad, right? <laughs> like, there's a, there's a reason for Horace not to like him. And then Set's just a dick. But anyway, there's there's a bunch of stories of them going at it. Here is the wildest one. <laughs> this, one's, this one's crazy. And uh, I, think it's, I think I have to say this. I don't know, like, this is probably going to be the most not safe for work bits that we've ever done on the show. Like, trigger warning, whatever, just FYI. I don't know. Like, if you thought if you thought stuff in the bible was sometimes like risque or bad or whatever i don't know like 
this this I think I think personally this takes the cake. But anyway, well I'll let you be the judge. So okay, so there are some underlying weird uh, homoerotic tones for Set and Horace. Apparently Horace was had a, had a super high like sexual drive. I just wanted to like have sex with everything and anything that it could that he that he could. And uh, with along with that, uh, there's stories of him and 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 these are these are literally like like these aren't just stories some sicko made up on 4chan or whatever. Like these are stories that we've gleaned from writings found on you know papyrus like from like 5,000 years ago. So just just saying like these are uh, I'm not making this up. So the homoerotic undertones persist for, for Set, and, you know, again, one of his characteristics is he's just got this rampant sexual appetite and doesn't give a shit, and he's a massive jerk, which doesn't, it's a, that's a bad mix, right? <laughs> and so, so in one of his earliest stories, Set, right, the bad guy, begs Horace to have sex with him. Horace agrees to have sex with his uncle if, if Set gives Horace some of his magical powers in exchange which I guess seems like a fair trade I guess right I don't know (laughs) Um, but the problem is that in ancient Egyptian ideology semen is actually like super toxic they believed so like it's poisonous you either like make a kid with it right you know you're bringing forth new life into the world which is okay but if not you die like like it's kind of like i don't know like i guess they never swallowed i don't know like whatever but uh sex was high stakes apparently so so there's this high risk high reward issue going on but they agreed to it and then set you know has sex with with his nephew horace uh but his his jizz makes horace gravely ill and and because of all that, Horace doesn't get the powers, or in addition to that, I don't know, Horace doesn't get the powers from his uncle that he was promised. So, right, it was just, like, all bad. Like, like wow, it's wild. I don't even know, man. But, like, so Horace's mother, Isis, she's all mad on behalf of her son or whatever, so she hatches a plan. And, like, so one day Isis gets some of her son Horace's own jizz and like, i don't i don't know how i don't know what like i don't know what i don't i don't know but i don't need to know but she gets some of it and she makes uh, she makes lettuce wraps with it i guess and and like puts it in there as a secret ingredient and then serves it to set and like hey like i have these extra lettuce wraps do you want one and so set's like fuck yeah like i love i love lettuce wraps and he just like gobbles them up or whatever and then after he was all done, she's like, surprise, like, <laughs> the lettuce wraps actually had Horace's semen in it. And Set is all like, no. <laughs> and then, but then after he eats it, weirdly, <laughs> after after ingesting it, uh, after swallowing <laughs> the semen, it Im- impregnates Set. And so now he's pregnant from his nephew's jizz from the lettuce wrap. And but it, it doesn't make a quote unquote baby. Um, but when he gives birth or whatever happens, it's weird. Um, it actually pops out like a large golden disc uh, on Set's forehead as kind of like a every time anyone sees them, they're gonna be like, hey, that came from him, uh, you know, eating the the <laughs> secret ingredient lettuce wraps. Like, 
super fun stuff, guys. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, oh, it's a wild story, man. It's just, anyway. <laughs> so that's just a little bit of a recap of some of the 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 mythos of the Egyptian gods or whatever. That that was that was the wildest one that I I could find. So I had to share it. But anyway. So now you know kind of where they, where who they are, who the players are, what what their deal is. Now let's see how the plagues of Moses tie in with these gods. So to review the plagues, we have number one, we've got water turned to blood. Two is frogs. Three is lice. Four uh, in English. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, is in the English version of the Bible, it's flies. Uh, five is cattle disease. Six is boils. Seven is hail. Eight is locusts, nine is darkness, and ten is death of the firstborn, okay? And now let's get into number four a little bit. So uh, I didn't go into this when I was actually telling the story just because it it added extra time to the story that I was trying to not do, but I think this is cool. So in just about any English language Bible you pick up, it's going to say swarms of flies, right? Mosquitoes or whatever. But in the actual Hebrew, in the original, it doesn't say flies. It doesn't... more closer just says um, like swarms, right? You can contextually maybe think like, oh, swarms of flies, right? Like finish the sentence, like, you know, oh, they were plagued with swarms, dot, 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 like, uh, you know. So I get where people put that in, but it doesn't say that. Um, and to get even more technical, the original Hebrew word was arav, which means a mixture. So swarms of a mixture, which is a weird. So maybe it's still a mixture of bugs, but a mixture of what? In Judaism, it is debated and often believed that the fourth plague was actually not bugs, but wild beasts attacking people, like wolves or bears or something like that, uh, maybe wild hogs, wildebeest, uh, rabid camels. I don't, I don't know, but I, I guess we could think of like what, what animals would be, would be native to Egypt at that time. Crocodiles, snakes, uh, hippos, jackals. Lions and leopards are actually also listed or shown on a bunch of art, so they clearly knew what lions and leopards were, even though I don't, I don't personally usually think about them being popular in ancient Egypt, but maybe they were around. I don't know. But, uh, but you, can you imagine how terrifying that would be, to, like the fourth plague, to have like just crocodiles and hippos and jackals and lions and whatever just running through Egypt? And, and the verse even says like they came into people's homes and like, like you want to wake up in the middle of the night and there's a crocodile in your bedroom like like that's terrifying right that would be that would be nuts it's just like it's just like the 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 fourth plague is like god just comes down like let my people go and 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 pharaoh's like no and god's like all right we're going to get jumanji up in here and just just uh, hippos and and monkeys running through everything and i, I don't know uh, so it, in the hebrew it technically the verse says you know it was a swarms of a mixture like i said um, maybe it was insects, maybe it was a wild beast, we're not sure. And maybe we maybe we get even crazier with it. Maybe the fourth plague was like like man slash wild beast mixture. I don't know. The werewolves of Egypt. <laughs> that's definitely a video or that's definitely a movie that I would watch, like a straight to DVD sci-fi movie. Uh, that I would you know, the werewolves of Egypt. I would definitely watch that movie. <laughs> but that is there's there's no actual scriptural reference for that just just to be clear but even if i mean just a, I, I don't know my brain goes wild so like uh what if a, what if it also like a mixture i just think of jeff goldblum's 1986 sci-fi thriller the fly like 
<laughs> you should Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, straight up, you know, Cronenberg stuff. And like <laughs> the fourth, the, you know, because when he goes into the, the teleporter or whatever thing, like he, he mixes it with a fly. So one of them's like half Jeff Goldblum, half a fly. The other one's half a fly, half Jeff Goldblum. Then <laughs> maybe that's the fourth plague. The fourth plague is just Jeff Goldblum flies all around Pharaoh. I mean, that, that would that would probably get me to like... <laughs> Like okay, take take the Israelites, get them out of here. <laughs> You're free from slavery. Just get rid of the Jeff Goldblum <laughs> flies running around here. So that's just that's just stupid. That's just that's not it. But but the wild beast is pretty much uh, like like standard belief in in Judaism and, and in Passover and stuff like that. So uh, so from here on out, uh, we're going to switch over, switch gears, and say that the fourth plague is wild beast. Uh, we've got again water turning into blood. Frogs, lice, wild beasts, cow disease, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and death of the firstborn. So, first one, water turning into blood could be attacking uh, this guy called Knum, uh, the creator of water and life. Or there's other god, Happy, <laughs> who was the Nile god, which they worship. Happy is H-A-P-I, by the way. Maybe it's happy i don't know but uh he was the nile god that they worshiped and or possibly even osiris himself right the green guy the undead guy that i was talking about even though so they there's this there's this legend or whatever this lore that the nile is like part of his bloodstream or something like that like it it's part of what helps guide spirits or whatever to the afterworld or something like that so uh, it, turning the water into blood could be attacking any of those gods uh, on from you know the Egyptian belief system. So you take your pick on that one. There's there's many to choose from. Secondly, frogs. So there was this goddess Haket who was the god of fertility and life, and she was literally depicted as a woman from the neck down, but with a frog's face for a head. And like not to get too into it or whatever, but like if you remember way back when Moses was a baby and they were throwing male Israelite infants into the Nile to drown them. So this would be an extra like level of one, you just turn the Nile into blood because you were you were murdering babies in it. But uh, then two, uh, with Heket, who was this fertility goddess and she had the you know frog's face, now you're 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 attacking kind of like the their their own you know fertility goddess and with frogs and you know commanding the frogs to do stuff so you know i think that's that's pretty cool pretty clear third is lice and this is probably a diss on the god jeb who was actually osiris's dad he was one of the, the oldest gods and he was the god of earth itself uh, earth dirt dust all this type of stuff and if you remember from the the lice plague when moses and aaron they struck the ground with their staff to create the lice from the dust so this was a you know a very personal attack on jeb who you know who created the earth or whatever i guess then there was also the god uh, kepri who was the god of rebirth and renewing and, and seasons and all that kind of stuff but that guy kepri uh, he actually was the was, had the body of a man and a literal head of a fly. So, back to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like that's, that's what he was. So, so the the plague of lice could be attacking either or both of those guys. So, now wild beast. So as you know, a lot of the uh, Egyptian gods have animal heads. We talked about that. With all that, the ancient Egyptians commonly deified animals. 
And ones I haven't mentioned yet are also like hippos, crocodiles, baboons, etc. So all they made they deified all these animals and like kind of worshipped them or whatever. So having wild beasts roam through Egypt could very well be like a catch-all for all these different uh, all, these, all these different things that they worship. You know, so not any one god in particular, but just a, a, just a broad spectrum attack on all of them. Alternatively, if we get a little bit deeper, uh, there's this idea that, remember how I said Set was depicted as being a combination of, you know, his face was a combination of different animals, uh, like anteater with the bunny ears or whatever, you know, this, he's, he's kind of a mix and match. The, flat, the fact that the fourth plague was a swarms of mixtures like we could, you know, you know, we could say that maybe uh, this was an attack on him. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit like it's fun to think about that, but that's that like that's like layers, right? You got to like really, you got to kind of bend over backwards for that one a little bit. So it's a, it's a neat thought, but uh, I'm not sure about that one. Next, we have cattle disease. So Hathor was the goddess of love and fertility, and was depicted as a woman with the head of a cow. And also, cows themselves were worshipped in ancient Egypt. So this one might have been a two for one because, you know, God was like, you shouldn't be worshipping cows, so we're going to do cow disease. And also, uh, screw off uh, Hathor, like, like cow head over there. You know, it was, just, it was a, a two-for-one attack. Uh, then we have boils. So boils, this one, there's no god of open wounds or anything that I could find, but there is a god of healing and medicine and uh, Sekhmet, and to inflict people with boils that wouldn't heal, right, that could be a, a specific diss on uh, Sekhmet. So uh, that's, that's one I found for him. And then Hail. So this possibly could have been from also uh, against the god Set, who, you know, it was the dick that we talked about. Um, but he was the god of chaos, the god of the desert, and the god of storms, apparently. So... Uh, God was like, oh, you want to be the god of storms? I'm going to show you a storm. And, and that's when he sent the hail. And then next we have locusts. This was a big one. So there's a god, Min, uh, M-I-N, who was the god of vegetation and harvest and all that. And apparently ancient Egyptians would have a whole like spring festival, spring harvest festival dedicated to men to celebrate the year's crops and, and all this kind of stuff. Right? It's a big, big party, a big thing. So the locusts coming and eating all the vegetation would not only cause a massive famine and economic disaster, but also would have totally screwed up their festival plans, right? Like, like it's, it's putting a damper on the party as well as the worship of this god, men. And then darkness, right? This is quite obviously, like, we're ramping up here, right? We're getting into, we're in the end game now, folks. So uh, this is quite obviously an attack on Ra himself, you know, pretty much the highest of the Egyptian gods, the sun god, a very personal attack. By God blacking out all of Egypt for three whole days like was that was showing some real big dick energy <laughs> against their number one god right like you know that was, it was that was pretty prominent yeah so that one that one was heavy that one's a big one and then lastly we have death of the firstborn so ancient egyptians believed that the pharaoh himself was also a god they going back to horus they actually believe that every pharaoh was also like had the spirit of horus kind of in him and upon death, they would then just go and hang out with Osiris or whatever, like 
Like the pharaoh inhabiting Horus's spirit or whatever, like that pharaoh then would get to go. But uh, so the pharaoh himself was a deity in their belief system. So by killing all the firstborn males in Egypt, and it says from the peasants all the way to the pharaoh himself was like signifying that the pharaoh was not a deity and he was just a guy like any other people and not as powerful the god as as the god of the hebrews and everything like uh he's just really showing like like the pharaoh ain't shit like he ain't nobody everybody's everybody's gonna die (laughs) everybody's gonna get some and uh you know so that was you know and it sucked whatever like i mean obviously but for every all the first port males everywhere but um that was kind of i think the basis of that that type of attack so um yeah so you know uh, that's kind of my, my my breakdown my my theory on where it all matches up and which one could possibly be attacking which egyptian god in order to free the israelite peoples so that's that i had one last thing i want to talk about but i think it would take me another 10 or 15 minutes so i'm not going to do that today we're going to save that for some of the time i guess i was a little a little more long-winded than i thought i was going to be so i don't want to keep you guys here too much longer so i'm going to wrap it up uh we will we will not continue this next time but just i'll save it i'll put it in my pocket for later that my last last little theory so that was today's episode fun with plagues <laughs> i just think it's super interesting i hope that you guys did too some some insider information on the egyptian gods and how everything lined up with each other so i just i find it absolutely fascinating i can't help myself from 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 talking about this stuff you know getting into it it just it's all like just the theories and and the deeper levels and how stuff is connected is really the the stories themselves are great i love them too but i just you know this extra element of like how things could have all connected together just to me makes it all all the much better so uh, i love talking about it thank you guys for listening thank you guys for hanging out always you know thank you guys for supporting the show and we are going to wrap it up so hope you have a fantastic week cheers